Hey, so this is our last evening for this class, which is really sad because this has been such a fun class, fun uh, group of people, and a really wonderful, amazing text. And let's see, did Bob leave yet? Bye, Bob. Thank you for the goodbye note. Thank you for joining us for as much as you can. If my meeting ends before this, I'll come back. But uh, thank you so much, Derek. Okay. Really appreciate it. Thank you. Take care. Great to see you. And... Uh, traditionally we uh, celebrate and we uh, have some things to drink and eat so I hope you all brought something to to do that with I have here very special beer uh, Koenig Pilsner wish I could share it with you <laughs> cheers all right cheers Cheers, so long, Jenpa. Wow, that's good. Very good. So let us do our uh, chanting as usual to begin. In order that all sentient beings may attain Buddhahood, from my heart I take refuge in the three jewels. In order that all sentient beings may attain Buddhahood, from my heart I take refuge in the three jewels. In order that all sentient beings may attain Buddhahood, from my heart I take refuge in the three jewels. Whatever the virtues of the many fields of knowledge, all are steps on the path to omniscience. May these arise in the clear mirror of intellect, O Manjushri. Please accomplish this. Just like the six ornaments and two supreme ones who beautify our world, you were their equal in your mastery of compassion, learning, and realization, yet you practice hidden in the forest and sacred solitude. Longchenpa, who perfected samsara and nirvana in the state of Dharmakaya, Trime Ozer, stainless light at your feet, I pray, grant your blessing so I may realize the natural state, the true nature of mind. So uh, we let's uh, begin by finishing up the small section at the end of the Tathagata Garba chapter from the commentary that I skipped last time, so we could end on time. And uh, just to repeat a little bit, let's start at the bottom of page two thirty-five. Primordial luminous nature of the mind is self-arisen, primordial wisdom, empty and clear. By nature, it's empty like space, 
yet, it ha- yet its character is luminous like the sun and moon. This indivisible quality of empty and luminous is the primordial quality of our mind, primordial wisdom of our mind. And the radiance of its cognitive potency manifests unceasingly and unobstructedly like the surface of a limpidly clear mirror. So that that empty, luminous indivisibility manifests as cognitive potency, manifests as uh, whatever appears, all the appearances of the three worlds free from stain, having thus the nature of the dharmakaya, the empty quality, the sambhogakaya, the luminous quality, and the nirmanakaya, the unceasing unceasing appearing, unceasing arising of appearances. Sukhata dharma, all of them plus some, is unconfined and is not limited either to samsara or nirvana. Its empty nature provides the open arena necessary for the manifestation of all things. Its luminous character allows the five self-arisen lights, which would be the five lights of the five Buddha families, the five wisdoms of the five Buddha families, to appear as sense objects. And that's the Sambhogakaya phase. And its cognitive potency self-cognizing primordial wisdom manifests as the detecting cognition owing to which delusion is said to occur. And uh, the part before the delusion is the Nirmanakaya manifestation. As it's said in the Guhya Garbha Tantra, which is the root tantra of the Nyingma tradition, of the Ati tradition, Emaho through the working of one's thoughts, one strays from the Sugata Garma. It is at that moment that, inasmuch as one fails to recognize primordial wisdom, which is one, ignorance, part one, one speaks then of co-emergent ignorance. Inasmuch as one takes the self-experience and display a primordial wisdom as something other, one speaks of conceptual ignorance. I circulate a little reading on ignorance by email earlier. Maybe I can uh, find it and screen share. Sort of interesting scheme. This is unique to the Nyingma tradition. Can any of you see that chart? So here we have three kinds of ignorance in Dzogchen Yintig. Uh, the uh, ignorance of single identity, not right, recognizing the single cause of awareness and ignorance, the common single cause of ignorance and awareness. 
it's in the phase of primordiality. So that's um, in the section before the quote from the Guya Garba. And it's cognitive potency, self-cognizing, primordial wisdom manifests as the detecting cognition owing to which delusion is said to occur. So that would be this, and the implication is of uh, dualism from non-dualism, that initial strain from the primordial state, and the deviation is the non-recognition of the empty essence of the three qualities. This is non, not recognizing the Dharmakaya aspect, the empty essence. It is at that moment that, in as much as one fails to recognize primordial wisdom, one speaks of co-emergent ignorance, the second one, co-emergent ignorance, co-emergent of, uh, co-emergence of non-recognition and cognition. So happening simultaneously, the phase of simultaneity, the development of the subject-object dualism. So here's the inception of dualism. Here's the full development of it on recognition of the radiant or luminous nature. And then inasmuch as one takes the self-experience and display of primordial wisdom as something other, one speaks then of conceptual ignorance. So this three-stage process of the development of ignorance, of strain from the primordial nature of mind. The uh, definition is the self-manifestation. He says auto-manifestation mistaken as subject-object, i.e. appearances. Phase of, I don't know what this means, posteriority. Um, what happens afterwards, I think, after the this phase, sort of subsequent. And uh, the implication, again, that's, that word is too big for me. I don't really know what, I have a hard time with these big words. A, um, hospitalization and symbolic description of self and world, something like that. And then uh, the non-recognition of dynamic responsiveness. It's like, wake up. Come on. <laughs> Don't fall into delusion. Wake up. And this is uh, in, uh, in, in Tibetan, the word is actually uh, tukje is uh, um, related to compassion. Interestingly enough, the empty essence, the nature as radiant, and the uh, uh, this would be the uh, ceaseless uh, activity. So, uh, through failing to recognize that this self experience of primal wisdom arises within the fundamental mode of being. And through clinging to it as a self and sense objects, the same self-experience is mistaken for the outer vessel of the universe, the container, and for the beings that are its inner essence with their bodies, the result of their habitual tendencies and their minds, filled as they are with the five poisons and their various forms. As it says in this famous tantra, uh, the all-creating monarch. Beings fail to understand my nature. I who am the all-creator. They scrutinize the things that I myself create and crave and are attached to them. 
and therefore these appearances acquire solidity. Yet transient illusion-like, they all disintegrate. Beings are like people born blind who do not stay, see the way things are. And the all-creating monarch is the mind. The cause of their delusion is ignorance. As it is said in the abridged Prajnaparamita Sutra, all beings of whatever capacity, high, medium, or low, have manifested through ignorance. So the Sugata has said, um, that he, he doesn't really explain why does that first moment of ignorance happen. Nobody ever explains that, of course. And uh, since it has happened, there's not really that much point in trying to explain it. It's actually more helpful in understanding the further development of that trajectory and how to um, uh, limit that trajectory, so to speak, and then how to turn it around and, uh, and dissolve it, transform it. Uh, the contributing condition, so we have, uh, <coughs> let's see, we have the cause. We have these four fourfold scheme. Cause of their delusion on the bottom of 236 is ignorance. Then on top of 237, we have the contributing condition for their ignorance or delusion is their clinging to duality. As is said in the Prajnaparamita in 8000, beings circle in samsara because of their clinging to eye and mind. And the, the 20,000 Prajnaparamita, ordinary childish beings, perceive aggregates where there are no aggregates or skandhas, elements or datus where are no, there are no datus, and sources or ayatanas where there are no ayatanas, and dependently arising things where there are no dependently arising things because of their fully ripened carbon, karma, rather, they incorrectly apprehend dependently produced phenomena. How is it that beings arise? Owing to the two kinds of ignorance, conditioning factors occur. So uh, here he says the two kinds of ignorance as opposed to the three kinds, interestingly enough. Um, and in the page before, he didn't really distinguish the first type of ignorance clearly, which I think if you read this excerpt that I sent, uh, there might be some mention of that at some places. He mentions only two, but uh, then he goes to the threefold scheme. Anyway, owing to the two kinds of ignorance, conditioning factors occur. So he's now referring to the 12-fold link, uh, links in the Nidana chain of interdependent origination, starting with ignorance. Then we have conditioning factors occur. And it is through these that existence is then compounded. It is through conditioning factors that different kinds of beings exist, i.e. consciousness is as the result. And then name and form, number four, and so on are produced. Once the body takes shape, beginning with the stage when the embryo is globular, and so on until the moment of birth there is contact, the next one, feeling, and the six senses, and so on, until the stage of aging and death, the last, the twelfth. Thus, there unfolds the twelvefold cycle in which beings turn, on account of which one speaks of samsara, cyclic existence. 
It might be thought that it is impossible for the primordial fundamental nature to exist as samsara, and that within the Sugata Garbha there can be no circling in samsara, but this is untrue. The process resembles the case of limpid, transparent water that is free from all impurity, but which, because of the winds of winter, turns to ice as hard as stone. Within the primordial nature and because of the duality that has arisen of apprehended and apprehender, hallucinatory experiences are perceived that are various and seemingly quite solid. This is demonstrated in Saraha's song of action from his collection, collected songs of realization. When blown and agitated by the wind, even yielding water will turn hard as stone when the mind's disturbed by thought formless nescience takes shape as something solid and extremely hard. I think nescience means something like ignorance. Would you guys agree with me on that? Not knowing? Anybody like that word, nescience? Not not really something you'd name your kid, probably. <laughs> um, this is what happens when delusion occurs within the Sugata Garbha, the unchanging, unmoving, primordial purity of the nature of the mind. It's called the ultimate universal ground of joining, which we've been through. It is the Dharmakaya, in which the perfect Rubakaya, Buddha fields, and primordial wisdoms are all implicit. Yet they are veiled by ignorance on account of which they are falsely perceived in terms of apprehender and apprehended. So it is that the ultimate nature of joining becomes the universal ground of various habitual tendencies um, in which are lodged from time without beginning the seeds of all the many habits of delusion. Subsequently, depending upon which habitual tendencies are the stronger, happy, or evil destinies are experienced and one circles in them as in a dream. At that time, one clings to I and self, one tastes of hatred and desire and all the five poisons. Thus, one engages in action and the creation of yet further habitual tendencies. Thoroughly mistaken with regard to things that have no existence, one clings to them and experiences them in all their varieties if they were truly existent. One turns continuously on the wheel of hallucinatory experiences their appearances revolving day and night without reprieve. This very circling is completely groundless, however. It seems that one wanders farther from liberation because of one's manifold delusion, delusions, but these are like the illusions of a dream. One wanders prey to feelings of joy and sorrow, just like the prince who, losing his realm, became a wanderer on the road, yet throughout the entire time of his destitution, he possessed by his very nature the happiness of supreme riches. For he was born within the kingly state, and his sorrow was but a transient condition. And he quotes uh, the treasure inexhaustible, beings entangled in the bindweed of existence in the desert of self-clinging, parched with thirst, or like a young prince, etc., and yet throughout the time that they wander senselessly in the desert of the world, they nevertheless, nevertheless possess, and as it has been shown, the Tathagata to Garbha as their very nature. And then he gives this uh, analogy of the huge painting which we went through last week. So we have the story of delusion. And, and so we go to the conclusion of the text, uh, of the root text, the last chapter called the uh, great spontaneously present result 
bit different than some of the other stuff we've been through. Well, it's on page 151, and it's, the, again, the last chapter of the root text. When means and wisdom are perfected, kayas, which are the bodies of Buddhas, primal wisdoms, and enlightened deeds, all present of themselves, now stand revealed. When main minds or primary minds, consciousnesses, mental factors, and the universal ground, so six, seven, and eight consciousnesses subside completely in the Dharma Dhatu. The ultimate expanse and primal wisdom cannot be divided. They have a single taste. Twofold purity is at that moment gained, the purity that we're born with and the purity that we uh, come to realize. And all conceptual elaboration ceases. Just as into space the new moon is withdrawn, the heart of unborn luminosity, subtle primal wisdom, gathers in the lotus of the ultimate expanse. Peace is found then, free of any thought. This is ultimate reality that cannot be observed, free of change and movement in the triple time. This nature that is pure from the beginning is called the Vajra Kaya. The body changeless, indestructible. It is the final ground expanse. And uh, uh, the, the words that are in italics, the body changeless, are a translation of Vajra Kaya, indestructible. It is the final ground expanse where phenomena are worn away. Its nature is completely free of the two adventitious obscurations. Omniscience, ocean vast and excellence, is found therein. The qualities of realization and elimination come now to perfection. So he's basically like talking about the enlightened state, which it feels like he has a uh, sort of an insight track on somehow. Maybe he's got a direct number or something somebody's told him, or maybe he's even seen it. Henrietta, have you seen it? I'm afraid not. <laughs> but I was wondering if these are all the Buddha families that he's talking about now. The Vajra, Ratna, so, I, so I, on. He's going he's gonna to go through them in great detail, momentarily. Oh, yeah. He's just but like, this, this isn't, he's not discussing that now. The Vajra, this is not the Vajra Buddha family. That sort of contains all of them. Or contains all of them. Okay. Yeah. Is there anyone else that's using on the ebook? Is this yes. just not in the? Is this not in the ebook, or what is the name of this? Oh, it's here. It's uh. Great spontaneously present results. That's the name of it because it's not in mine. I just I'm just trying to figure out if I'm somehow missing something. I told them to not include it in your call. Yeah, thanks. I appreciate that. Uh, <laughs> What are you drinking tonight, Cynthia? Chapter 13. Um, unfortunately, the index just has the names. It has oh. we have no page numbers and no chapter numbers. There's something called the Omniscient Long Shenpa. That's at the end of the book. You have to go about to the middle of the list of table of contents or index or whatever. 
Well, it's right. I'm, I'm at the right before the notes is would be the end. Anyway, never mind. No, no, no. It's in the root text part. It's in part one, Cynthia. Not part yeah. two. It's yeah. the end of part one. Oh, the oh, there we are. Right before the there's a one page conclusion. Thank you. Got it. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Sorry. Where were we? In the Vajrakaya. There you go. Uh, the qualities of uh, realization and elimination. So we're in verse 5. And uh, these qualities of uh, realization are expansion and abandonment, as they're usually called, come now to perfection, assessed in terms of its ten strengths of the, of the Buddhahood and other excellent perfections. It is called Abhisambodhikaya, the body of um, higher realization, Abhisambodhi. The body, or okay, the body of manifest enlightenment. It is the final ground the source of the distinctive qualities of Buddhahood. Although a noble phenomena, the mind is not engaged at this point, and in the knowing mind no apprehending at all is observed, there is an inward luminosity, and when the new moon's light is gathered, as when the new moon's light is gathered into space, the subtle, supreme, primal wisdom gathered inwardly and yet not dulled thanks to its omniscience. It is the ground of all arising, thence unfolds the body of form, the rupakaya, endowed with knowledge of all aspects of phenomena. This is what appears for others, a treasure of enlightened qualities because of its consummate peace. This most subtle primal wisdom is called dharmakaya, peaceful body of ultimate reality. So there was a switch there first from describing the Rupakaya and then describing the Dharmakaya, which wasn't that really uh, that clear. This is what appears for others, a treasure of enlightened qualities. However, the, uh, the other one, because of its consummate peace, this most subtle primal wisdom is called the Dharmakaya, the peaceful body of ultimate reality. These three bodies, and he's mentioned Dharmakaya, Rupakaya, Abhisambodhikaya, and Vajrakaya. Uh, but usually the three are the Dharma, Samboga, and uh, Nirmana. But anyway, these three bodies have no dealings with an extramental world. They are extremely subtle and therefore are not nothing, transcending permanence, destruction, and the other of the four extremes. Unthinkable, unspeakable, beyond expression, they are the state within wherein, rather, the far shore is attained, empty of their nature, where all concepts are no more, only Buddhas, no one else ever goes there, experiences them. Within the palace of the Dharmakaya, utterly unborn, the victorious Buddhas of the three times constantly abide, and yet they do not see each other. All is Dharmata. They're there, but they don't, they don't appear. There's no appearance. So. They abide, so it is said, within a, the deep and peaceful nature, and just as, as at an earlier or later time, the space within a vase remains the same. Within this state of suchness, the conquerors are but one expanse of wisdom. There's no differentiation between the Buddhas of the past, present, and future. The Dharmakaya 
ultimate realities, perfect cognizance of emptiness, the gathering of wisdom, the culminating point of the perfection stage. From this very state, there manifests the self-experience, Sambhogakaya, endowed with the five excellencies. So this is a very traditional, important scheme of, of understanding the way the Sambhogakaya manifests in this five-fold aspect of uh, what are called these five certainties, or excellencies, he's calling them. Excellent place, excellent time, excellent teacher, excellent teaching, and excellent retinue. So first, the excellent place of the, where the Sambhogakaya dwells is called the field of dense array of luminosity, this famous Buddha field, the field of dense array, luminous, luminous dense array. It glows with light and shiny lights of the five colors. It, sorry, it glows with clear and shiny lights of the five colors, like rainbow Brilliant rainbows, bright and clear, which fill the vault of heaven, pervading the abyss of space above, below, and everywhere. And in it, there are beauteous palaces. So now he's going to describe the uh, Indo-Tibetan version of uh, a Buddha realm palace. That is a very traditional scheme that we you, you would see in many different tantras this the palace of the deity of uh, every deity it has totally similar um, attributes as he's about to describe Derek uh, yes ma'am what is uh, self-experienced uh, because there's no duality so they're just knowing themselves but they are knowing, but there is no other to know them. Okay. Uh, and in it, let's see, there are beauteous palaces. There are four doors. So this is a mandala, a palace, a mandala palace. There are four doors graced with cornices. Gotta have cornices. You know what a cornice is? <laughs> that little fancy stuff above uh, door uh, uh, tops of ceilings and stuff right with five concentric walls with ledges all in down so the the walls the walls are made of five layers that represent the five buddha families slabs one of each five, each of the five of a certain color and a certain uh, um, material each of the buddha families so it's five um, layers, as he says, five concentric walls with uh, with ledges. They always have ledges around the top, all endowed um, and pendant strings of pearls. There's uh, strings of pearls that hang down from the ledges, and they all have covered terraces with balustrades. So on top of the uh, ceiling around the perimeter there's like these terraces that have little roofs above them I guess balustrades and inside shrine rooms graced with domes this in the middle there's a big dome uh, and then in each of the four entryways there's a little dome and the space of the palaces are all filled with parasols and banners so everything's like decorated up above all the stuff parasols banners um, prayer flags, tail fans, strings of tiny bells, lots of little tiny bells. <laughs> uh, 
uh, banners of victory, canopies, and every ornament. They are the goddesses of pleasure, send forth clouds of offerings. Within, without, on all sides, everything is bathed in swirling beams of light. Wow. <laughs> Quite a vision. Uh, the center and the four directions are bedecked. Not decked, they're bedecked. They bedecked with ornaments of corresponding hue. So every, every, each corner has like its color of the Buddha families. You know, the red, red room, and there's the blue room, and the green room, and the yellow room. Uh, orange room like a wild nightclub <laughs> that's right and each room has its own decor <laughs> not that I ever go to nightclubs no. but <laughs> seen them in movies right? Eric, can I ask a question about this yeah um, are, when they say that there are goddesses and deities there um, are those how can there be other sentient beings there. Yeah, well, they're the retinue of the Sambhogakaya Buddhas. So they're not really separate from the Sambhogakaya Got it. They emanate little manifestations of themselves to keep themselves company. Got it, okay. <laughs> I'd like to get tea. If you, if you don't want to get up to get tea, right. emanate somebody to go get tea for you. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> How can there be other people there when they're, it's just them. It's a good quiz. <laughs> um, let's see. Wherever one may look, there they appear of varying, si varying size, the, uh, the ornaments. The whole of space is filled by them, countless teeming like the seeds within an open pot of a sesame, just ornaments everywhere, totally over the top. Within the palaces are thrones, one for each uh, of the five. Upheld by lions, horses, elephants, peacocks, and shangshang birds, which are Garuda birds of a type, right, Mary Beth? Yeah, they are musician Garudas. Ah, Garuda birds that play play mm -hmm. musical instruments, mm -hmm. electric guitar. <laughs> One, two, three, four, five. So each of the Buddhas has a different uh, type of throne, you know, throne supported by either lions or horses and so forth. Upon them, there are lotuses and discs of sun and moon that usually you got to have on your throne. You have to have a lotus disc and a sun disc and a moon disc, and you can get them at Home Depot now. The time is no specific time. So now we go into the excellent time. It's no specific time. It's the time of nowness. The excellent time. It is the perfect ground or the fourth time, the fourth moment. It's the perfect ground beyond all movement and all change. The no time of the three times is Samantabhadra's time, who's always on time. <laughs> all three are perfectly the same and all pervading suchness. That was a pretty good line, actually. The no time of the three times is Samantabhadra's time. I've got to use that <laughs> It is a nature that is pure from the beginning. The teachers, so the, the excellent teacher. We had the excellent place, time, and now teacher. With their bodies blazing with the major and minor marks, the 32 and uh, 64, are Virochana and Akshobhya, Ratna Sambhava and Amitabha, 
Amoga City. So these are the five Buddhas. Varochan is the Buddha family. Akshobhya is the uh, Vajra family. Ratnasambha is the Ratna family. Amitabha is the Padma family. And Amoga City is the Karma family. Each of them encircled with four other Buddhas, basically identical to them. But each is joined in union with their consorts. Akasha dot Vishvara, Vare rather, Akasha dot Vishvari, Vajra Mamaki, who figures in the Sadama Mudra, by the way. Uh, all the water here is like the uh, Buddha Mamaki, and the, the stones are like Buddha Lochana. Pandarafa Sini and Samayatara, all adorned with proper ornaments, rays of light stream forth from them blazing in, in order blue, white, yellow, red, and green these are the peaceful Buddhas who reside within the lower mandala and, and uh, while up above are found the wrathful ones which the footnote says this is the, uh, the using this, the enigma scheme of the peaceful and wrathful deities the hundred peaceful and wrathful deities that appear in the uh, bardo of uh, becoming and uh, they manifest the peaceful ones are in the lower part, part of the body, the heart center, and the wrathful ones in the crown, the uh, skull, the sky of the body. These are the five glorious sarukas, Buddha, Bhajra, Ratna, Padma, Padma, and Karma, united with the five wrathful queens, each one surrounded by another four other features they do have but they surpass description he can't even describe them he probably just didn't get a good look at them because they're up above and he's he's in the he's with the peaceful guys because so i think he's pretty peaceful the teaching the excellent teaching is of course Dzogchen. what else you knew that the expanse indescribable beyond the teach the reach of thought and word it's just sort of a funny thing to say for somebody who wrote so much. But anyway, each Buddha has a retinue not lower than himself in dignity, uh, for it is but his self-experience. So the retinue is just what their emanation. And these include eight pairs of bodhisattvas, two for uh, each of the four directions, male, one male, and one female of each pair, four doorkeepers, one for each door, with female consorts. Altogether, there are two and forty peaceful deities, six of which are the Namanakaya. Uh, for others, may behold them. Um, those are the uh, Nirmanakaya Buddhas of the six realms. Who are Dharmakaya? Because they are within the ultimate expanse, the remaining 34 belong to the Sambhogakaya self-experience, the specific retinue of which comprises 24. I don't know, two, dhar two or Dharmakaya. That's interesting, 139. Look up another book. Never mind. To the retinue of the wrathful deities, so that was the peaceful, now the wrathful, we have uh, belong eight, Madaraj, <laughs> these are these are different uh, uh, Hindu type deities that have been uh, captured by the Buddhist tradition and uh, turned into um, helpers of various types. Gauri, the Gauri are like uh, another like bird like creature, I believe. Really terrifying looking, and the rest 
and Semhamukha, the lion-faced one, and other of the eight Pishachi uh, goddesses. The Pishachis are flesh eaters. <laughs> Four guardians of the doors. So there's like two mandalas, like a identical palaces. And eight and twenty uh, mighty goddesses uh, of the eight and fifty, fifty-eight in total wrathful deities, forty-eight belong to the specific retinue, whatever that means. All are terrible devourers, all blazing in appearance, all are in, unendurable with nine wrathful demeanors. <laughs> all the mandalas, moreover, present in the body are Buddha fields, which are the exclusive self-experience of the Simbhogakaya. Of all the peaceful and wrathful deities, those that are perceived by beings to be guided are Nirmanakayas, those are the six. They are not the uh, exclusive self-experience of the Simbhogakayas. Uh, there's a sort of cryptic note about this, but all the deities of the Buddha fields endow with five perfections that we went through are the self-experience of the Sambhogakaya. Therefore, they're not distinguished in their ranks, some high and some, some low and some high. They shine with rays of brilliant, sparkling light and are resplendent, clear, and radiant. This is the experience of the Buddhas who see and praise each other. <laughs> hey, you look great today. <laughs> that was great, that talk you gave on Dzogchen the other day. Anyway. Uh, even the most pure beings to be trained are powerless to behold these beauties, but of fields that are arrayed on every side. They are like the empty forms of yogic experience. Beyond the grasp of thought, they are the exclusive purview of the conquerors. So nobody ever sees this except the Buddhas themselves. Past, present, and to come. Not even those to... Uh, even the most mature of beings to be trained. That means anybody on the path of training, i.e. the four, four, first four of the five paths, can experience this. Only those of no more training. From within this very state, uh, verse 20, in, in the worlds of beings to be taught, the teachers who instruct them show themselves by gradual degrees, such as the Nirmanakaya, luminous in its character. The Nirmanakaya, guide of beings and the diversified nirmanakaya, these three types of nirmanakaya sort of uh, unusual scheme all of them are striving for the sake of living beings the five nirmanakaya teachers luminous in character dwell in their respective fields Akanishta, Abhirati, Shrimat and Padmakuta and Karma City and they are the Buddhas of the five families, Akshobhya, Varushna, and the rest. They blaze with light that issues from the major and the minor marks of Buddhahood. They manifest in countless forms, both peaceful and ferocious, laboring spontaneously for the twofold benefit of beings. I don't know, he seems to be describing another whole set of fivefold Buddha fields that are within the Nirmanakaya realm that are not quite what we experience. They're, they're like the, uh, uh, of these three Nirmanakayas, the guide of beings or the diversified. I'm not sure. This part about Nirmanakaya is very unusual. By nature, these five teachers are the five primordial wisdoms 
the five Buddha wisdom, Dharmadhatu wisdom, the mirror-like wisdom, wisdom of equality, the all discriminating or discerning wisdom, and the wisdom of all accomplishing, being Buddha, Vajra, Ratna, Padma, and Karma, respectively. Each of these has four attendant wisdoms, all are of a single taste. The primal wisdom of the Dharmadhatu is completely motionless, transcending all duality of apprehended and apprehender, all conceptual extremes. The mirror-like, so he's going through the five wisdoms now, the mirror-like primordial wisdom is the luminous empty ground of all arising. It is the great wellspring of the three remaining wisdoms. This is the second one. So this, the, the remaining three come out of number two. It is the, in the primal wisdom wisdom of equality, everything is equal. This is Ratna. Samsara and Nirvana are not two, for they are completely, they completely coincide. All discerning, or we usually say discriminating wisdom, knows things and their differences. This is Padma. It is the perfect knowledge of phenomena in both their nature and their multiplicity. Wisdom all accomplishing. Karma is perfect and enlightened action, constant and unimpeded with regard to all phenomena. Retinue. Uh, so this is the fifth one, I guess. We had the five, the five excellencies. Your excellence, your excellencies. And now we have the retinue compro composed of those who may be trained, consists of bodhisattvas who reside on the ten grounds. The teaching comes through rays of light that shine out from the teachers in deep concentration. This is like the mind lineage transmission that uh, higher beings get from the Buddhas that, uh, just by rays of light connecting with the teachings of the Buddhas. Samadhi. And the Bodhisattvas thus conceive the wish to cleanse the obscurations from their ground of realization, removing avarice and all the rest. Um, so in, in Samadhi, the, Bodhi, the higher level Bodhisattvas connect with the wisdoms of the Buddhas and that uh, helps inspire them to continue to uh, uproot their defilements. They look upon their teachers who are utterly unstained and see the difference that divides them still from them. They cleanse those obscurations that remain, progressing to the ground of universal light. The 11th, when their perfect form appears, as though reflected in a glass, they bring about the wealth and benefit of beings. Concerning them, the time the teacher man teachers manifest in the Sambhogakaya fields in seamless continuity until the bodhisattvas have achieved their freedom. The nature of those teachers may be ascertained in terms of one or other of the five enlightened families. When those yet to be trained are primarily engaged to purify their ignorance, they do so in the field of Akanishta. And Vairochan is their teacher, and the teaching is the pure primordial wisdom of the Dharmadhatu. Likewise, for their anger to be purified, so he's going to go through the, um, the sort of uh, um, outward version of the five Buddha realms, that's accessible to uh, beings on the ten boomings. Um, likewise, for their anger to be purified, a Kshobhya's field appears. Ratna Samava appears to cleanse away pride, and Amitabha for attachment and desire. Amoga City manifests for cleansing of envy. 
Although the teachers manifest as the Sambhogakaya, their retinues and all the rest are different from themselves. Therefore, all are not Sambhogakayas, but half Nirmanakayas. The Nirmanakaya, luminous in character, perceived by beings who are pure, in other words, on the eighth bhumi and above, since they do not show themselves except for those residing on the grounds of realization. They are called Nirmanakaya, that is half appearing. The ground is even in those Buddha fields. There's no little potholes, no hills. And there are lovely palaces contrived of seven kinds of jewels ablaze with rays of light that shine in all the ten directions. There are countless bodhisattvas, lotus-born, and every happiness that they might wish for falls upon them like a shower of rain. In all four periods of the day, the stainless storm is set forth with bell-like sound, <laughs> like the ring on a bell, with wishing trees and wish-fulfilling gems, with lakes and streams and golf courses, beauteous fields are the peaceful Nirmanakaya, luminous in character. It's like the the uh, the mirror opposite of the hell realms that we went through, right? At the beginning. This is just like over-the-top, like, uh, nice world, you know? Um, likewise, there are countless wrathful mandalas, the pure celestial realms with massing clouds of Dakini. There are also the pure fields of glorious harukas of the five flame families. All these appear to those who are adept in the secret mantra. Nowadays, the learned and accomplished know them as the pure celestial realms of great felicity. <laughs> Wasn't she on a, like a law show? Felicity. Anyway. From within the fields of the Samogakaya there arise Nirmanakayas, who are, who are the guides of beings who appear in each of the six realms as their respective teachers or Buddhas. Indra, uh, Vimachitra, Shakyamuni is our buddy, our guy, Juva Simha, Jualamukha, and Dharma Raja. In all the fields that lie in all the ten directions, these six sages purify the minds of beings of the six migrations. The emanations, primary and secondary, of this, these six sages are beyond imagining in the divine realm from the realms of Brahma and Ishwara. As far as Akanishta, they appear as teachers who instruct the gods in their respective kingdoms. For human beings, also, they appear in forms appropriate to them. This was like uh, a lot of this is sort of like, uh, why is he doing talking about all this? What's the point? And uh, I found this part to be interesting because one of the quandaries in Buddhism, in Mahayana Buddhism, is um, what happens to a Buddha after they attain Buddha Parinirvana? Do they ever take rebirth again as a as a bodhisattva or something? You know, because they've taken this vow, this bodhisattva vow that you know sometimes they say it's never to attain nirvana or never to abandon beings as long as there's beings in samsara not to attain enlightenment but then the buddha attains enlightenment so what happens to that buddha and uh, i think the way they explain is that a buddha never manifests again as a single individual but a buddha then manifests as zillions of other various types of bodhisattvas and enlightened or uh, enlightened beings or beings on the paths, the higher paths that then become teachers and helpers of other beings. So the Buddha um, 
his energy sort of goes, Shakyamuni Buddha, his, after he reached Parinirvana, his energy like dispersed infinitely in all directions into all, uh, all the bodhisattvas in the 10 directions. I don't know, something like that. In, uh, the, for human beings, they also appear in forms appropriate to them. They manifest as Shravakas, Pratyeka, Buddhas, Bodhisattvas, kings, so forth, guides for humanity. They appear as various guides in these sure realms. And likewise, for the animals, they manifest as birds among the birds and as majestic lions for the creatures of the wild. These different kinds of teachers are indeed beyond imagining. In the hells and praetor realms, they work for being sake in forms adapted to their state. All these guides of beings have two kinds of wisdom, that which knows the nature of things. This is the sort of classical definition of omniscience of a Buddha as having these two wisdoms, primordial wisdom, knowing the nature of reality and knowing how, uh, knowing the, the variety of the manifestations of appearances and that which knows them in their multiplicity. That's the second one. They know the nature of phenomena and they know phenomena each by each without confusing them. Thus they labor for the twofold goal of beings. The wisdom that beholds the nature of phenomena knows the emptiness of things and expounds for wandering beings the teaching that will lead to utter peace. While the wisdom that holds the multiplicity of things cognizes without mixing them the mind, sense, powers, and the rest sets forth countless different ways of teaching. So here we get the scheme of the Dharma uh, being profound, which is the, the understanding or teaching of uh, the profound nature of reality as empty, luminous quality, knowing the emptiness of things, and then vastness, profound, the Dharma is profound and vast, vast, knowing the uh, countless ways of teaching or countless paths available to different beings of uh, skillful means, upaya. All these emanations are perceived by those who are impure. Their field is the six worlds of the six kinds of beings. These teachers manifest according to the form of beings to be guided. Uh, so you know, if they're humans, in their human realm, they look like humans. Their teachings are not uniform, but partake of different vehicles in the time that they appear as in accordance with the karmic destiny of beings. In the six worlds of six kinds of beings as the fruit of action and habitual patterns, good and bad, there are various states of being. High and low with joys and suffering, these states and even the, even the six teachers who appear therein are but being subjective visions. They have no objective reality as this or that, the Buddhas. It's just, we see them at, in that way as, as Shakyamuni. We saw him that way based upon our predilections, our karma. Um, like Buddhas and like beings seen in dreams, pure is their nature, yet their form impure. The Buddha's different manifest appearances are but the play of their compassion. These six teachers are the emanations of compassion without bounds. Throughout the time samsara lasts, their enlightened action will continue endlessly. From their enlightened action, there appears the diversified mnemonicaya, the third type, which includes material things. This is the, one of the coolest things about the Mahayana scheme of the Trikaya, the three Kayas, is that the Nirmanakaya includes objects, objects that are either helpful in, in just very literal material ways for sentient beings or objects that um, help beings understand Dharma, which includes material things, uh, supports for offering, like such as paintings, statues, 
So the, the statues and the paintings, you know, that you see on shrines that you make offerings to, these are uh, actual nirmanakayas. They're little like uh, embodiments of nirmanakaya. Uh, various natural forms and writings, gardens, lotuses, and wishing trees, sublime pavilions, and tr pleasure groves, uh, caravansaries, <laughs> and boats and bridges. Bridges. Did I mention the famous iron bridge builder of Tibet, Tangtong Gyalpo? This guy that uh, built all these iron bridges in Tibet, all over Tibet, because Tibet has a lot of crevices and ravines and stuff and they had like really dangerous uh, bridges made out of um, twine which you know not a good thing and he he came up with this uh, he perfected the art of making iron link linked iron chain chain and using that to create bridges anyway uh, and that was said to be like this, an example of Nirmanakaya activity. Jewels and lamps, food, clothing, and conveyances. So even like your clothes, like in particular Eileen Fisher clothing is Nirmanakaya clothing. <laughs> um, all such things, material objects that appear uh, to bring great help to beings. Immediately they bring happiness and joy and ultimately they place beings on the path to peace. They diversify nirmanakaya spontaneously affects the benefit of beings. Where there are no more beings to be trained, the guides withdraw, they disappear, subsiding in the ultimate expanse. They are like the moons reflected in the water which gather back into the moon above when there are no more water vessels. The self-experience of Mogakaya melts back into the Dharmakaya, uh, just, as the, just as at the end point of its phases, the moon without increase or diminution sets and is absorbed by space itself, the, uh, the new moon. And then when there are beings to be guided, the teachers as before will gradually appear, such as the result spontaneously present. By virtue of this explanation, which has the nature of supreme and highest peace. He's not like uh, shy in any way, you know, <laughs> very unabashed, like <laughs> about his writing. Um, they being stay within the luminous expanses of their minds and wearied by mistaken clinging to the two extremes, samsara and nirvana, may their minds today find rest. That's the perfect time today. In the conclusion, <clears throat> from the great clouds and the merit of this well-turned explanation, may there fall a copious rain of happiness and peace. May all the beings of the three worlds see an increase in their fortune and prosperity. May they naturally achieve the wealth of the victorious ones. These days, the impure eyes of common minds perceive as contradictory the distinct paths of mantra and transcendent virtues. Failing thus to unify them, they regard them with a partial bias. But here, the meaning supreme and profound of both the causal and resultant vehicles, sutra and tantra, has been distilled into a unity adapted to the practice. It was composed by Trime Ozer, which is Long, one of Longchenpa's names, raising rays of stainless light, a translation of that, or an expansion of that name, at 
Orgen Fort or Ugen Fort at Gangri Tukar. By this merit, may all beings in the world attain the highest state of complete peace, with wherein the kayas and the wisdoms are inseparably joined. May there be good fortune everywhere and always. So his own dedication. Very cool. Uh, definitely does not hesitate to praise his own work, his own abilities, and his own realization, which is the last part of the of the reading for tonight. <clears throat> and uh, starts on those uh, page two sixty five for those of us that have reading devices that are numbered, and uh, for those of you uh, like Cynthia who are on uh, digital devices, it should be the very last section before the notes. The omniscient Longchenpa speaks about his realization. He was interviewed for CNN. He turned down Fox News, but this Roger song and the note refers to what was it, page uh, 119 to 20 or something. I don't know, the note, the note referred to uh, some other segment, maybe it was two. 120 to 121. Thank you. Chapter 10. Chapter 10, dwelling in neither of the two extremes. And it was what, verses uh, 21 to? 23. 21 to 3. When I watch thoughts as they arise, the watcher vanishes. I search for it, but nowhere is it found. Neither is the seer seen. This is just a freedom from conceptual elaboration. There's no agent, no object of action. I have come to the primordial state which is like space, immaculate. There's no going back. And where might I now go? I have reached the place of the exhaustion of phenomena. The exhaustion of phenomena is the fourth stage of a fourfold scheme in Dzogchen of uh, realization. Exhaustion of phenomena of Dharma. No more coming to samsara can there be. And where I am now, none can see. Knowing this, I want for nothing else. Whoever comes to freedom has, like me, cut through delusion. Now I have no further questions. The ground and root of mind are gone. There's no goal, no clinging. There's no ascertaining. There's no as, oh, sorry, there's no it is this. Instead, there is an all-embracing evenness, openness, relaxedness, equality. These these four qualities that he um, is uh, forms the content of one of his precious treasures. The precious treasure of the way of abiding, these four qualities. Now that I have realized that I sing my song, stainless rays of light have thus shone out, and revealing it have no departed, have now departed. So he's referring to this Vajra song, he's doing like a little commentary on it, I guess illustrates the kind of realization that is devoid of center or limit. So we're back at the end of the book. The Omniscient Longchenpa speaks about his realization. 
When this level of realization occurs, whatever arises subsides into the ground nature, like clouds melting away in the sky. The primordial expanse of the mind's nature and the primal wisdom, the spontaneously arisen state of openness and freedom mingle together. When this happens, there's no retreating from the nature of one's own mind. What an idea. What a way of phrasing it. There's no retreating from the nature of one's own mind. <laughs> there's no escaping from one's own realization. There's nowhere left to go. The point of the exhaustion of all phenomena is reached. One has escaped the dangerous path of the mind that adventitiously adventitiously clings to or rejects things through taking them to be truly existent. It is at this point that the field of ultimate reality beyond coming and going is reached. Where else then can one go? There is nowhere. Yogis who reach such a state have left behind the land of delusion and they will never again return to the city of samsara for they have reached the space-like ground. So it is that I've come to the expanse of the nature of my mind. Apprehending thoughts are purified in the primordial ground-like clouds that melt away in the sky. What a description of his, his experience. Wow. My body, speech, and mind rest in a state of openness and freedom without any effort on my part. Is it possible, therefore, for anyone to perceive the state in which I am? Even if I were to explain this to those of lesser fortune, they would be unable to see it as it truly is, for this is the moment of the certainty of my own realization. You just spent the entire book describing, <laughs> describing it. Yeah. No? Yeah. This is from some other... This is from the auto commentary. Yeah. So I guess he's, uh, he's coming back to his realization that from his realization that he composed all these writings after, after his realization. Reaching thus the very heart of the ultimate mode of being, I aspire for nothing more. Other yogis have gained freedom by the same manner of realization as myself. Now no questions and no doubts remain for me, and none can teach me more than I have now understood. As is said in the songs of realization of Saraha, before me and behind me and in all the ten directions, everything I see, that, that it is suchness. Now, like the Lord, this day I sever like the Lord being the Buddha, to stay, I sever all delusion. Now no question shall I ask of anyone. In times gone by, thanks to the excellent sequential arrangement of view, meditation, and action, I relied on the higher and lower grounds and paths as if they were rungs on a ladder, and I became familiar with the way in which these manifest in the higher and lower yogas. But now that the ground and the root of, of the mind have passed away, all these things have likewise passed away. I now have no further goal. No objective remains for me to strive for. Whatever now occurs, I do not cling to it like a man-man drunk on beer. Like a little child, I do not identify appearances. For me, there remains no practice to be for performed in any sequential arrangement. Everything is an all-embracing evenness, relaxation, openness, condition, free 
of all objectives. I am in a state of equality or sameness that transcends all clinging. It is a marvelous state of sheer wonderment. I highly recommend it to you. <laughs> you have to say ho here, right? As again, the songs of realization say like a wish-fulfilling gem, this realization is, now I know, great wonder, all delusions fall away. And now whatever arises manifests as dharmata, for delusion is purified in the ground, and I have attained a realization similar to space beyond all reference. Karmic action and all conditioning factors have subsided, as again and from the songs of realization, beings are bound by their respective karmas, freed from them, their minds are liberated, and when the current of their mind is freed, then surely this is nothing else than the attainment of the supreme state beyond all sorrow. All that I can do is performed in a state of freedom devoid of all fixation. Consequently, I have no clinging. And thus for me, no bondage and freedom are no more. Sorry, thus for me, bondage and freedom are no more. Again, from Saraha, when one truly understands the sameness of both action and non-action, there is no bondage and there is no freedom. When this state is attained, freedom is accomplished through the transfer of one's teacher's realization to oneself. As the songs of realization say, this is the nature, unborn and primordial, that my glorious teacher showed to me. Today I have accomplished it. Now that such a realization has been gained, I sing my song of the self-arisen, uncontrived, primordial wisdom, the nature of the mind. The nature of phenomena is a state, unlimited and unconfined, that transcends both being and non-being. The realization of this nature is like the orb of the sun, its myriad stainless rays of light, which is his name. Ozer, illuminate the world of beings with good fortune, causing the lotus garden, the minds of those who wish for freedom, to burst into flower. And having done so, they depart for the land of Samantabhadra, the supremely blissful state. So ends the, uh, find the first volume of the trilogy of Finding Rest, Finding Rest in the Nature of Mind. And, and interestingly, it says below that on that same page, 267, taken from the auto commentary, section 895, line 4, or page 895, to page 896, line 2, and 896, line 6, to 898. So for some reason, the translators skipped four lines of the Tibetan. I want to know why. What did they skip? What did they leave out? They didn't know those words. They didn't. They couldn't translate it. <laughs> it was beyond their comprehension. Mm -hmm. So what time be at nine o'clock? Good. Oh. Time for uh, discussion and comments and thoughts. So regarding what you were just saying, is the Tibetan something that you can access? Like, is that it's available to look at? Yes, you can go to this amazing uh, webs uh, website provided by an organization called uh, the Buddhist Digital Resource Center, previously called the Tibetan Buddhist Resource Center. And they have scans of like almost every Tibetan text ever written that still survives, which is unfortunately 
sort of a fraction of the total ever written. But um, you can find this if you so know. You, so you could go look for those four and read them if you wanted to. I, and tell us what it says. I would. It would take me like a year to translate four lines. It's been a very long time <laughs> for me. I would try to find somebody and like pay them a lot of money. You have lots of friends that could do it. Do it, Derek. You could do it. Didn't you ask Wollstone Fletcher something about how he was translating mind? And yeah. he, didn't he respond? Yes. Isn't, isn't this him? Yes. I, I'm missing what you're... Well, I guess if you're really curious, you could just ask him why he left it out. I will, I will. He, he got a little... Uh... He didn't like it. I asked him again about the different types of Tathagatagarbha and the, the six types of... Um emptiness the three sets of two emptiness and he was like he was and then he said like well i'm very busy <laughs> he had like he had like uh realized that he had already spent a lot of time <laughs> so i could try i could give him a hard time and see if see if i can get a response from him <laughs> why did he skip those four verses those four lines On the when he's going through the mandala in the beginning there, yeah. What do you make of that? Yeah, I like that stuff because a lot of it followed the, the paintings. If you go to the Rubin Museum, mm. you see a lot of that stuff. But he said, uh, "The Lord of Creation is that Yama holding the wheel, Lord of Creation." I think the Lord of Creation would be Ishwara. Is is that right, Iswar? Who's the Lord of Creation, and or is it Brahma, and Ishwar is the destroyer? Oh, I see. So it's uh, more Indian. Yeah. Do you remember Iswar? Uh, I don't think it's the destroyer. Uh, I'm not sure which is uh, Brahma or uh, Ishwar. Yeah, yeah. One of them is the creator. Brahma, Shiva, maybe Shiva's the creator. Is it Vishnu? Vishnu, maybe Vishnu's the creator, yeah. Shiva's supposed to be destroyer, my recollection, unless she's both. Mm -hmm. Yeah, okay. Yeah, so it's, it's uh, in, uh, talking about those Indian deities, those Hindu deities. So... I thought it was interesting in that chapter. We started out with this elaborate mandala and, and all that. And by the end, we were talking about he gets to how teachers manifest and how they help sentient beings. I mean, it went from very, like, fantastical and spacey to, you know, getting more concrete as to how it impacts us. You know, it was kind of an interesting trajectory, that chapter. Yeah. It was, a, you know, because Emily was saying, how do they exist? How can the other beings exist? And by the end, they were, he was talking about beings. Uh, we got to beings, you know, where they come into the picture. With the it's like us, right? Yeah. 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 
We have to revisit that idea, don't we? But he went the the as the traditional progression is he went through Dharmakaya, Sambhogakaya, Nirmanakaya. Oh, so that was that was the whole scheme. Thank you for that umbrella yeah. like and, perspective. Yeah. The idea of generally the idea of how realization occurs. You achieve the Dharmakaya and then then you perfect the, the Rupakayas, then the Sambhogakaya and then the Nirmanakaya. I see. You got to you got to get the dharmakaya first, and then got to get that down. Got to get that down. That's the that's the complete enlightenment, and then and then uh, the manifestation of that follows. Right. Okay. Good. Thank you. So the creator is Brahma. Brahma. Okay. Cool. Thank you for looking that up. Yeah, so um, as uh, Chris is saying, you can find uh, many uh, representations of these mo mandalas like the ones that he was describing. And uh, the Rubin Museum, you can go, they usually, depending on what displays they have, they have artwork depicting this. It's also a great website called HimalayanArt.com or org that has just like huge amount of artwork and you can peruse the mandalas there. And then the best thing is uh, um, and by the way, that reminds me, my wife has been watching, I don't know if I should say this, but House of Cards. Anybody watch that that show? <laughs> There's this one scene, one scene or a couple of episodes where they, all these Tibetan monks are in the White House making a sand mandala. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> making them out. It's like, if you've never seen Tibetan monks make a sand mandala, you got to Google that. It's the most amazing thing. How they create the mandala and how they fill in the different colored sand and the level of detail and precision. And it, the beauty of it is just mind-blowing. And then they wipe it all away. They mess it all up. They gather together and they throw it in a stream. <laughs> we, we had one at the Shambhala Center once was created there yeah. it was amazing and we all trooped over to the hudson river and threw it in the water and they also did one at uh, asia society once that was quite nice too society yeah. who did the one at shambhala center oh shoot you know i cannot remember the name it was not a, uh, yeah. I'll, I'll see if i can come up with it the mall yeah he was he was young he was like a young monk he was maybe 22 or something it was funny because people were asking all these questions and he's just like, I'm just following the pattern. Like, I don't think about it. I just follow the instruction. Like an instruction kid. And, and like for them, yeah. it's totally like follow the numbers. Like, it, it is. And it is totally. And they, and they, and they sometimes let you play with the, 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 the toys too. They're like, it's Certain like a big blocks of the same color and they'll let you fill. And, yeah. And it's like a cone, and they have these cones, metal cones that are like uh, that the sand flows through, and then you you have a, a stick that rubs on it. So that's why it's it's very it allows for a very good control uh, for these very tiny. Uh, yeah, yeah. There's a very little, very small little spout, and a big open. It's like a funnel. Yeah, yeah. And or a cone, and you put the sand in and hold the end with your finger, and then when you're ready, you let your finger go, and it comes out. And you use a stick, a, a metal rod on the side or a stick, and the cone or the funnel has uh, ribs on the side. Right. 
right. If you rub it, it sort of creates a slight vibration and it makes the sand move in a flowing, gentle way. So ideally it creates like a flat surface. Anyway, so then also look up, you got to look up uh, three-dimensional mandalas. And uh, there's not that many of them, but there's some out there that are amazing. And you can see um, uh, there's like a few in the world where they've created life-size, literally like room-size, three-dimensional mandalas. But usually they're smaller and sometimes that's just graphically created. And they show you, it's like you come inside this this structure of a palace and you see all the different parts they're talking about the five the door four doorways and the five colored the five layered walls and the strings of pearls and little bangles and bingles and the flowers and the balustrades and the cornices <laughs> and then all the different beams hanging out it's just it's amazing Many, many years ago, when Trungpa Rinpoche uh, was going to give the uh, Chakra Samvara Abhisheka, he gave two Abhishekas, Vajrayogini and Chakra Samvara. And the first time he did it, he, uh, he had this teacher from Rumtek come over named Tenga Rinpoche, who was the master of ceremonies at Rumtek for the Karmapa, extremely learned in the, the tradition of the Kagyu sadhanas, in particular, these core sadhana practices of the of the kagyu the uh vajrayogini and uh, chakra sambra and uh, he had us build a three-dimensional mandala that was about like this high and it, like like this big on a big table and it's it like took weeks and uh he he had all these books all these sources for like the exact sizes and and every little thing. And then they went into the most amazing detail. Like they went to dollhouse places and bought little figures and painted them and little decorations, the whole decorations. It was. Can I share a screen that shows one? Yes, please. Uh, somebody Oops. needs. Oh, no, I can't. I'm dis the host disabled it. Um, well, I can send you, I'll send a link. It's one that a oh. picture of one from Tibet house. Sorry, the, the, it says host disabled screen sharing, so it's not allowed. Okay. But there's a link to it if somebody else can share it. Yeah, you'll email the to The host can do it. If there, is there a photo of that one that you made? There is, but it's secret. Yeah. <laughs> to be a uh, have I should have known. I should have known. Yeah. Uh, but there's other so uh Cynthia email that to me. I, I just well I just put it in the chat box. Can you take it from there? I'll try. I can email it too if you want. If that's easier. Uh, oh here, I can I've got it here. I can take back host and um show Yeah, I bet you could do it. Hold on. Just for fun. Oh. This is just a small one that's at Tibet House. I just found it quick online. It's a three D one. I can find a 2D one as well if you want, but. Yes, I found some good ones. Is Tibet House in New York? Yeah, yeah, it's um, 15th Street. Uh, what is it, just west of 6th Avenue, I yeah. think, south side. It's 6th, 7th. Uh, um, look it up, easy to find. Um, yeah, yeah. Someday when we can go into other houses again and museums and <laughs> someday yeah i don't know what their current status is but 
Ooh. It's the Kala Chakra. Oh my gosh. Oh my that, gosh. That's like a computer generated one, right? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, it's bad photo. Oh, they should do a Lego kit with uh -huh. mandalas. <laughs> This one looks good. Or just, you could try looking up, yeah, you could do the Tibet house one if you can. Three dimensional. Oh, that one's nice. How's that? It's wow. Good. That's incredible. And they have animals. Look at the little animals they have there. And here's the little people, the different deities. And see the five colors? Yeah, and you can see the, the reverse swastikas too. <laughs> yeah, and here's the, the strings of pearls and stuff. And here's the balustrade on the ceiling. And here's the different floor and another floor. This is a multi-floored palace. That's pretty cool. These arches and the and the doorways. Do you think if a non-Indo um, Tibetan person attains enlightenment, that it would look different for them, <laughs> or like does it look like this for everybody? That is a good question. Like, what would it look like? Like, would it look like an Apple store if we, uh, if Westerners attain enlightenment? Yeah. It would look like a Greek temple. <laughs> like the Parthenon, right? I hope it doesn't look like an Apple store. That's what I'm working on, my place. I, I got my lions to put out on my limestone steps. My Greek, well, actually, it's uh, Italian aid, it's not Greek revival. <laughs> Bye. Thank you, Henrietta. Um, uh, you know, to some extent, that's like what uh, what Chung Prabhupada did in his Shambhala teachings. Is he he created this visualization, an imagery of like what would what would Westerners see of enlightened? What would the enlightened form be for Westerners? And like uh, seeing like. Uh, so more like a King Arthur type imagery, somewhat. Here's. I just, if if you also if you want to see the that method of how the sand mandalas are made, mm -hmm. I just sent a I just posted a site that actually shows the little cone things and mm -hmm. the and sort of shows it in action. Yeah, there it is. Can you see that? Yeah, yeah. Oh, there it is. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Those are pretty small ones, actually. But it's... The, the cones are very small. Yeah. Well, I remember the, there are bigger ones, but those are nice because they're probably very controlled. Yeah, very precise. Yeah. <laughs> wow. I have I I have pictures from a couple of these, but I I don't think I could. I don't know if I could. 
So then if you practice these sadhanas like Vajrayogini and Chakra Sambra, when you complete them, oh, look, that's cool. So you see. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Put the red color. Amazing. I guess. Little heaps of sand. And as soon as you get like a few inches away, it looks like perfect. You don't see the heaped quality. But when you when you complete like Vajrayogini practice, you complete all the recitations, then you do um, group purification practice to purify the the completion. And to uh, that practice, every uh, the group creates a mandala, one of these mandalas, and uh, so they have a big uh, metal uh, sheet uh, table that you create the mandala on and it has like the, it has these uh, geometric things drawn on it for starters. And uh, they give you like a little mandala grid of what it's supposed to be and you draw it on there and then you do the sand yourself. People take turns doing the different colors. It's really fun. Wow. It's really cool. It's very cool. Well, guys, um, I, was, I was blown away by your generosity. I got this weird email from Brent that I'm sure is a mistake. So I'll have to work that out with him. But uh, incredible generosity. Thank you so much for your gifts, your offering. Really appreciate it. Not that I can do anything with them these days. Can't go anywhere. <laughs> Other than buy books on Buddhism, which I do constantly. But thank you very, very much. Eric, when is, is there going to be another class this summer? Uh, no, we take a little break for the summer. Okay. And, uh, and then I circulated by email just before class. Mm-hmm. A little list of, uh, I always provide like a little list of possible uh, courses for the next semester. Uh, so maybe people take a quick look at that and see what see what people are interested in. It all looked interesting. <laughs> <laughs> I bolted the one. There's one that I would be like uh, very interested in. Uh, Long Chenpa's text on the precious treasury of uh, um, what is it? Uh, philosophical traditions. Be cool to keep going with Long Chenpa. Yeah. Yeah, it would definitely. So that number in that in that list are those each a separate course or is that those are each a separate course okay okay because I would be interested in the source texts of the Madhyamaka under the view but yeah anyway. So do you think you'd do it with uh, Zoom again, Derek? Yeah, so this one here, uh, it seems like uh, 
pretty unanimous that everybody wants that one. Is that right? <laughs> Is it the course or Zoom? Yeah, I have to see if people want Zoom or, oh wait, uh, if people want Zoom or something else. We don't really know what it's going to be like then, but you know, we are in the process of opening up here, right? I feel like we can, I feel like now we can never stop Zoom because if we do, then there are people who are here with us who wouldn't be able to be here with us. So, Thank you, Mary Beth. <laughs> Maybe eventually we could do a combination of in-person yeah. and, and online. Yeah. That'd be the best. That'd be the best. We'll need some uh, techno geeks to help us do that <laughs> in person. But presumably you have a laptop in the classroom. Uh, you know, maybe, I don't know, maybe two, one facing the group and one facing the facing mm -hmm. me. So, yeah, so Derek, yeah. you, have you abandoned the 4E as your uh, goal? Yeah. The wisdom chapter? Oh, I think that'd be, I think we would lose everybody. It'd be like, <laughs> what? A little bit of that in there, though, isn't there? I don't think so. I mean, if we can get through this, we're not gonna. Well, I don't know. <laughs> really? How about for your summer break? I'll send you a little snippet of that <laughs> of that book. We're talking about what? What number is that? Four E. Because that was what you had originally been leading up to with the last two or three years, right? Right. <laughs> and, then, and then you decided to take a little shift. So I was just curious whether you... Shanti Deva's Wisdom Chapter, Mipam's Nobu Kedika, which is uh, translated, published as a book called uh, uh, The Wisdom Wisdom the ninth chapter of something like that by Mipam. Yeah, that's the big, that's the big chapter everyone's afraid of. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, you know, like to go through that type of Madhyamaka, um, it's really helpful to have gone through Abhidharma and valid cognition stuff mm. or going through Madhyamaka. Otherwise, it's it's a little bit hard to get what mm. they're getting at. So the uh, just to go to the number one section as a balancing factor, as we often like to do, what would there be a, for 1B, the Sutra Mahamudra, would there be particular... Uh, sources for that one? Yes. Yeah. I sent I sent myself the wrong version. I updated this. And that would be the book, uh, The Royal Seal of Mahamudra. Ah. Oh. Okay. That's a very nice book. It's an awesome book. Yeah, it is. That's a great book. Great book. And, of course, I'm not diminishing 1A either, of course. I, there's no overlap of that with things we did before. That Would that be sort of like a... Uh, with which one? One A or? Well, either one actually. I think, but one A in particular was—is that something that we we did something from the point of view of Trungpa, but it wasn't specifically Vipassana, perhaps? Yeah, we did the path of meditation of Trungpa Rinpoche. We did uh, mixing mind with space. Right. Um, 
so did a couple of courses uh, around his material, one specifically on it. But. Well, I'm, certainly that royal seal and Sutra Mahamudra would be very cool. Yeah, it's it's so helpful to in in terms of understanding just what shamatha and vipassana are. And I I think it's always good for us to sort of alternate or you know and occasionally put in have a, a meditation oriented uh, series. Yeah, yeah, that's a good pitch. That's <laughs> a good pitch. So I don't know. Maybe uh, people can look, think about this, look this over, and send. Uh, Send in votes they may have maybe to me or Brent. Okay. Do that uh, multi-factor regression analysis. Yeah, yeah. He can he can provide the results to you, and you can do that <laughs> regression analysis. How oh, I miss that so much. Jeez. <laughs> Statistics. Wow. You, you you can you can bring you can vote for multiple things and put them in in your preference order and everything else, just to make it complicated for us. Anyway, um, any further comments? Those of you that haven't said anything. That was one of the best classes. This was a really fun class, wasn't it? Yeah. Text. Yeah. Well, thank you again, everybody. Really, thank you is what I think thank we need you. to say. Thank you, Derek. Yeah, thank, thank you, Derek. Derek. Thank, you. thank you. My pleasure. So we should uh, dedicate by this merit. From the stormy waves of birth and death, from the ocean of the of the golden sun of the great east, may the lotus garden of the Rigdon's wisdom bloom. May the dark ignorance of sentient beings be dispelled. May all beings enjoy profound, brilliant glory. Thank you. Bye. <laughs> Thanks. Bye. Have a great day. Right. Take care, everybody. Stay safe. Uh, stay Enjoy safe. the rest of your summer. In the past, we've gotten together in the summer for like a social dinner, but I don't know if that can happen this year, given the situation. But maybe we could do like a boom night, some night, just connect. Um, check in with people some, some Tuesday night. Anyway, stay safe and sane. Thank you. Take care. Bye. Thank you, everyone. Thank you, Barbara. Bye. 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 Bye.